Welcome to Sound and Vision, that trivia-based wonder of pop culture, with your host, Marty Boston. That's me, Marty Boston, and welcome to another show of Sound and Vision. As children said, that's my name, and this week we are welcomed by a returning guest. If you were with us with the previous season of Sound and Vision, because we're doing it by seasons now, because that's how we're rolling, he was my co-host. And then he went away He he for five months, roughly. He went away overseas, found himself, come back, I think found himself. Anyway, he's back, and um, I'm lo- it's, it's lovely, basically, to have him back. It's Dan Wilson. Say hi, Dan. Hi, Dan. Back with his sayings. Essentially, when Dan went away, we did a show which was films about travel and going away and finding yourself and inspiring to be a better person. This week, because Dan's back home, we're going to do films about home. It works. Just to be clear, I can't in any way promise that I've come back a better person. <laughs> if anything, I've just come back more annoying and, you know. Oh, I'm I'm so worldly and travelled, and I've got a longer beard now. So yeah. I'm one of those guys. He got a nose piercing as well, yeah. and it's a ring as well as opposed to a stud, because that's what happens when you go overseas. Mm. Nice though, looks good on you. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's nice. Way that the show works is as followed: both me and Dan have chosen two films. I will give you three bits of trivia because I will be going first. A little bit of music will be played, then I'll come back. But a little bit of music is your time in order to try and work out what the film was. I will come back, we will discuss the film for a brief period of time, then Dan will do his, and we'll do that two times each. That's the basic premise. So Dan. a bit like last season, just without all the music so that we can put yeah. it on Spotify now. Bingo. So we have more of an, a wider audience when it comes to where we can dish out our show. It's nice. I love it. So, home. Um, a little bit of a difficult one, if I'm honest, when it came to themes. It Mainly based on when I typed in films about home onto the World Wide Web. Vietnam stories came up a lot, if I'm honest. Coming Home, Welcoming Home, uh, Platoon came up a lot, if I'm honest. Um, films like that, did you find a similar sort of trait when it came to yours? Uh, so the basic trait I found, and as consistent as ever, was that I've either not seen or not heard of any of these films. <laughs> when I was Googling films about coming home. Because to be honest, none really sprung to mind for me either. Yeah. Um, a few films with the word home in it, came to mind like home alone and home on the range mm-hmm. um but yeah they're, they're not the films i've gone with my my films sort of loosely fit the theme um and that's about all i can offer you on that that's fine because what we can do after we've discussed what the film is we can then go into details about why you chose it why you feel like it's a part of in home as well but we will go on to my first in the opening scene when Chris is leaving the party on his bike, he paraphrases a line from Bruce Springsteen's Thunder Road. It's a town full of losers, and I'm pulling out of here to win. Clue two. To keep up Samantha's continuous aggressiveness and hysterics, Anna Faris continuously drank Red Bulls before filming. And clue three. It took four hours to put the £12 face on Ryan Reynolds. When Reynolds stepped outside in full fat makeup, a fan of his came up to him and asked if Ryan Reynolds was inside. He said yes and pretended he wasn't himself. Now, Dan, true to yourself, 
You haven't seen this film, have you? No, and also, just as a spoiler to the audience, you did tell me what these films are, and even you having told me, and then listening to the cue, I still don't remember what this film is. So, <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, we will go on to the first bit of music, and then we'll be right back with the reveal. Match of time, it's gone. That was from the film Just Friends. It's an early 2000, early noughties film based around Christmas time, but we ignore that factor because it's only October at the moment. And it's essentially about a film which is an American comedy about a guy who was once upon a time overweight, got bullied, left, found better postures, pastures, better pastures. He probably had better posture as well if he'd he lost did so much definitely weight. have better posture afterwards. Went to the big city of New York, lost all of his weight, gained abs, became attractive, apparently, and uh, completely changed his life around. Are you saying apparently because you're jealous of the way Ryan Reynolds looks? I mean, he's gorgeous, so damn him. Also, his body's amazing as well, and I don't have his body. I wish I had his body, but I don't have his body. It's upsetting. You sound a bit like you want to murder him. <laughs> I don't want to murder him. I just want to wear his skin. I just want his torso. Yeah, I just want his abs. Anyway, so um, through no fault of his own, he is flying with a famous celebrity because he does marketing and production for singers, essentially. Going over in a plane, plane goes down, and coincidentally, it's in his hometown. And he has to deal with the repercussions of going back home with this very famous person who's very ditzy, who's played by Anna Faris. And he sees the girl who he was in love with that entire time. But she always saw him as just friends, hence the title of the film. And it's his journey with trying to resolve that he was not the man he now is. Um, And in addition, that he's not an arse because he comes across as very pretentious when he comes back. And his love for this woman over all of these years, even though he's had all the supermodels in the world and all that jazz, it's a very comedy aspect of it. Furthermore, the reason why it really cements home for me um, is because I was once the fat kid, and now I'm not the fat kid. And you are the Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, I'm I'm not the Ryan Reynolds. Um, You're my Ryan Reynolds. Oh, thank you. You're mine. Um, But yeah, it's it's a really funny film. Don't get me wrong. It's a Sunday afternoon film. Not one to watch with kids. So um, I'm assuming this being Hollywood, he gets with the girl from home back at the end. Of course of the he does. So is the message from this film that if you want to be with someone you want to be with, you need to be attractive? Yeah. And that's the change you need to make. Basically, what they're trying to say is don't be an ass and be attractive at the same time. If you're pretentious and attractive, go home, you're drunk. If you're attractive and a nice guy, then you'll get the woman of your dreams. That's basically what they're saying. Seems like a positive message for the kids out there. Yeah, and that's how I got my wife. So, all in all, it works well for everyone. Okay. So, who plays his love interest in the film? Amy Smart. Who is, of course... 
Amy Smart's been in lots of films. Uh, she was in Crank. Have you seen Crank with Jason Statham? That's his missus. No, she was in Scrubs. Who was she in Scrubs? She was um, Coma Guy's wife. Oh, Hot Coma Wife. Yep. Okay, cool. Okay. Yep, that's Amy Smart. Funny enough, both Ryan Reynolds and Amy Smart were both in season one of Scrubs. Interesting. Yeah. Then Anna Faris and Ryan Reynolds then went on same year as this, 2005, to star in a film called Waiting as well, which is about people who serve you food in restaurants. Interesting. Good film to watch if you ever want to go to a person who's given you food in a restaurant and say, no, this isn't good enough. Give me better because what they do behind the scenes is absolutely disgusting. Just be happy with your food. Okay, good advice. Mm. Um, so going back to obviously the theme of this was home. And what's the overarching message about returning home in this film? Then? So he dreads going back home. He's avoided it because he always has that idea that people are still going to see him as the guy who was overweight, who wasn't happy, who was the geek, etc., etc. But going back, he actually finds that people don't see him in that way. In fact, they're very impressed by him. But also he needs to understand that he's put on this persona over the past 12 to 14 years. And he needs to take that back and come back to who he actually is. A nice guy, as opposed to the womanizing, all about the money type guy. And is that a message that sort of, like uh, Ron Reynolds losing all the weight and mm. you know getting, getting the hot girl like you've mm. done in your life? Yeah. Is that a message you've got for going home where you sort of didn't want to go home and now actually you've come to accept it and it's a good place for you? Or No, no, I, I still dread going home every single time I have to. Uh, it's not an enjoyable experience because where I come from is a hellhole. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Inbra, if you ever go there, turn around. <laughs> You've gone to the wrong place. <laughs> Literally, go anywhere else. If you want to know where Wellingborough is, it's near Milton Keynes, a place which is really famous for roundabouts. Yeah. Okay. Good. That was my first film with regards to home. Dan, what is your first clue? Well, let's see. I think I'm going to go for this one first. <laughs> um. Uh, this movie has the distinction of opening on more screens in the US than any other at the time, with a t- grand total of 3,762 screens at the same time, and what? was the highest grossing film of that year. Wow. I don't, I'm not going to say which year just yet. Okay. Clue number two. I put mm-hmm. the sheet down there. I forgot we did it once. <laughs> Producer and director Christopher Columbus has stated in interviews that he was disappointed with the visual effects of this film, stating that they were rushed and never up to anyone's standards. Despite this, it was nominated for a BAFTA for Best Visual Effects. Visual Effects. Good, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the closing of this film involves the main character being asked whether it feels strange to be going home, to which they respond, I'm not going home. Not really. Not really. Oh, oh he's only gone and worked it out. I didn't know what choice he did, but just by that alone, I now do. We're going to have a little bit of music, and then we'll be back to Reveal.
Time's up. Now, uh, Marty, I think it's pretty obvious my first choice this time around. Uh, it is Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, not no. Sorcerer's. If you're in America, it's Sorcerer. Yeah, J.K. Rowling regrets that to this day, apparently. But Why is that? I, I, at the, I don't at the know, time, but... the publishers encouraged her to go for Sorcerer's Stone because she wasn't this famous uh, author yet. She had very little power to control it, but there you go. So, so why is it that that only happened in America and not the UK then? Because it's America. Oh yeah, but makes sense actually. Yep, completely agree. Um, but yeah, as I said, uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I don't feel that I really need to go through the plot of this film too much, but young boy who is orphaned at, as a baby is then adopted, well not adopted, but taken care of by his aunt and uncle who treat him terribly, give him quite quite a lot of abuse frankly and he doesn't really know his place in the world is confused by a lot of things that happen to him but finds solace and home in the wizarding school hogwarts well it's like if i close my eyes you're reading this off wikipedia or, or i'm Deba. however he's looking at me very longingly in the eyes whilst he's telling me all of this yeah um maybe maybe not the most immediate fit in for the theme but I think the thing about home, and I think one of the things I realised when I was away from home for so long, is that mm. it's not necessarily a place. It's not just the place you grew up. It's where you feel most comfortable and where you feel most at home. Deep, ladies and gents. I know. Deep. Because my home is currently a living room floor. Very grateful <laughs> oh, to the owner of the living so room. Um, but, you know, I was excited to come home just because it meant I could see everyone. Yeah. I could be around the food I wanted to be around. It could be around the sort of places I wanted to be. It's not necessarily about being in the hometown you grew up or being mm. in the place where you lived for so long. It's about being in a place you're most comfortable and most happy. And that's that's what home means to me, Marty. And that's why this film loosely fits into the theme. That, <laughs> that works. I'll take it. Curious, I haven't asked you this yet. Was there any food in particular whilst you were away that you missed? Like uh, Yorkie puds, perhaps? Well, Yorkie puds are very good. Don't get me wrong. I had one of those on Sunday with a roast. Mm. Um, I would say... So one day, when a lot of my friends were meeting up for a party and I felt a bit homesick, I went to a pub that served English food and I got sausage and mash and gravy. And that was just delightful. Sausages are one of my favourite foods in the world. Yeah, Vegetarian sausages, admittedly, but... Obviously. Very good. Yeah, so sausages probably. And was it... Did it stand up to staples from over here? It was a reasonable attempt at a country that clearly did not know what this meal was (laughs) to make. Where was this? I was in... Where was I? No, Vietnam at this point. <laughs> you don't know what sausage and mash is. Yeah, but very nice, you know. They tried their best, but all the food in Asia was absolutely excellent. Yeah, I, I do Asian miss it already. always good. I, I miss it all the time. But yeah, um, the first Harry Potter film. One of my favourites of the lot. I'm, I'm obviously a big Harry Potter fan. Really? One of the favourites? It's got the magic. The first time he discovers he's a wizard. And you know that if you found out you were suddenly a magician, right, or a wizard, you'd be like, look at all these spells I can do. Look at all this magic. Oh, my life makes so much more sense now because of the disappearing glass and the snakes and the talking to them and stuff. Yeah. And it's just got that, all, oh, wow, I'm going to Hogwarts for the first time and the mystery and like all the excitement when all the rest of the films are actually very depressing. Um, and also Daniel Radcliffe becomes a worse actor as the films go on <laughs> so it's uh, it's fun it's cheerful it's exciting you've got the whole sort of lovely sort of Hagrid and the kids relationship which sort of dies down a little bit through the series it really does doesn't um, it and it just you know watching that film makes me feel like I'm at home Marty that's a lovely lovely thought but yeah there you go Harry Potter 1 directed by Christopher Columbus it was yeah does a very good job with the original Albus and then he died so, unfortunately, I've had to change him up. Yep. 
because the CG probably not good enough to just reanimate. No. Getting off topic. Anyway. <clears throat> to be fair, Michael, who then took over for Dumbledore, was brilliant. Yeah, he was. Really good. Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? <laughs> Everyone's favourite line. <laughs> cool. So that was Dan's first choice. Harry Potter and the Philosopher or Sorcerer's Stone. Philosopher. We'll go on to my second choice. When Sam joins the boys and the old familiar, everybody stands to greet her except for Gary. This alludes to the medieval names King, Knightley, Page, Chamberlain and Prince, where everyone in the King's Court would rise to greet a visitor except for the King himself. Clue 2. The giant robot that appears towards the end of the film is a nod to the cover art of Queen's 1977 album, News of the World. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are both big fans of the band. And clue three, as this is the conclusion of the Cornetto trilogy, the characters are seen eating peppermint with chocolate chip ice cream, what the Cornetto green wrapper represents. According to Edgar Wright, Green represents science fiction and alien elements. For Wright's other films, Shaun of the Dead used red and strawberry flavour symbolising blood and zombies, whilst the second part, Hot Fuzz, which is my favourite of the three, was blue and vanilla symbolising the police. Yeah, probably, uh, as, as with my second film, probably quite easy to guess this one. Very. Um, but I, I agree with you, this is the uh, the best... No, the, your choice, Hot Fuzz, was the best of the three. Hot Fuzz is an amazing film. Uh, it definitely wasn't my favourite when I first saw it. I didn't like it the first time I saw it. Shaun of the Dead, I was like, you're using a, a lot of the same gimmicks, a lot of the same jokes, I and mean, it wasn't until I watched it a few years later I really, really appreciated what the film was. To be fair, you didn't like me when you first met me, and now, look, you're just absolutely in love look with that. me. I'm so. in love with you, so, you know... It works. We'll go into a bit of music and then we'll be back with what the film is. Time's up. That was uh, what I just called techno. It was uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so, you may not have liked that bit of music. Funny enough, I didn't like this film either. Well, World's End. See what did there. Synced it in. Um, going from Shaun of the Dead, which was a fantastic film. It was funny. You know, z- zombies were becoming more and more popular. And it really worked towards the funny aspect of it all. And you know, it was brilliant. I mean, it had the British humour and it was, it was working well. 
Peg and Frost and Edgar Wright, obviously off the back of Space. This was literally just after it. You knew they worked well as a team. Then Hot Fuzz came along again. You know, I didn't like it at first, but watching it over and over again, it was just absolutely amazing. The chemistry between them two is unbelievable. Fantastic. Then Edgar Wright went over and did Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Really enjoyable film. I really enjoy Scott Pilgrim. You don't like it? Not not my favourite, but I understand that a lot of people do like it. The The concept with Pilgrim, if you haven't seen it, is that Pilgrim's an ass. Um, he's not a nice guy, but he finds redemption in the end. And that's what makes him a likeable character. He's not a nice person, but then he redeems himself. Fantastic. Nice Hollywood moment. The World's End doesn't do that. It has an ass of a character... And he's an ass at the end as well. He's not a nice guy. Complete miscast as well. Simon Pegg should not be someone who is a horrible person. He he is a nice guy, unfortunately. He comes across... It's very difficult. You shouldn't stereotype actors in certain roles. I fully appreciate that. However, with that in particular, there's a guy just on the left of him, Paddy Constantine, who was in Hot Fuzz. He was one of the two DCIs who were in there. He's fantastic as a bad guy. He's done rotten characters before. He should have been him. However, unfortunately, because of the relationship between Peg and Wright, that wasn't meant to be. And he's just a side character. It's a real shame because Peg just doesn't suit Gary's role and it completely ruins the film. I'm going to disagree with you here for a few reasons. Oh, fantastic. Um, Firstly, uh, Peg plays a not nice guy in all three of these films. Mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead he's a lazy good for nothing worthless guy who has to try he's constantly trying to hit on his old girlfriend yep. or try and make up from it Redemption has a bit of a character arc throughout the film fine the second film Hot Fuzz he's a workaholic guy who focuses only on his career not really caring about public service not really caring about the town he's in he does what he has to do because that's his job as a policeman he, doesn't come across as a nice guy no but he does what's good he, he's not an arse in that situation and in the third film he is trying to be a nice guy and live the glory days with his friends all he wants to do is spend time with his friends and remember who he was because he's struggling and going through some stuff. That doesn't make him a bad person. But what he it does at the end definitely does. Yeah, but no, nothing about the end of that film's good. He chooses, spoilers, to have the apocalypse as opposed to doing what they tell him to do. It's ridiculous. But he's standing up for freedom. That's like allowing Nazi Germany to come in here and take what they want because oh, otherwise we're going to have to have a bit of a fight with them. Mm, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty it's not the same <laughs> admittedly but you, what you're telling him is to do is to sit down and just take it rather than actually stand up for his country no and I don't feel like that his idea of holding on to the glory days is enough for him to be the arse in which he is he's so in love with himself and the idea of it everyone but else he's has not got, this is the thing no, he is he, the only thing he's in love with is how happy he used to be yeah. and he's actually very upset where, where, with where he is in life now he's struggling that's why he wants to go home so he can feel some connection to the person he used to be because the person he is now is not someone he likes and he can't handle the fact his friends have changed and that life's changed because he doesn't like what he's become and what his life has become mm. he's the exact opposite of that egotistical person no. he's someone who's struggling with his identity no I, I completely disagree with you there he knows who he is he he's just never grown out of it and unfortunately he has issues about yeah i appreciate he has issues with his friends moving on and he tries to rope him in 
very forcefully as well. He goes about it completely the wrong way. Maybe if he went about it a different way, it would have been nicer. But, I mean, he's obviously, given his circumstances, at one point, obviously, it shows off the fact his wrists have been cut recently and stuff. Yeah. He's struggling with that. He doesn't. He's not someone who's able to make rational decisions. He's looking for... He's crying out for help. That's Again, what he's doing. Peg, though, as yeah. that person... I think he nailed it. Really? I mean, it was a bit of a hard sell in what is essentially a comedy film anyway. Mm. But I think Peg did a good job. Yeah, really. But overall, not not my favourite film. I have watched this film once. Maybe I do need to watch it again. Same way that I did with Hot Fuzz to really appreciate it. I just remember watching it and I was just completely blown away by how disappointed I was at the end. Hmm. It's a horrific ending. It's not... There's, there's no... Don't get me wrong, I'm perfectly fine with films not having the typical Hollywood moment, but the ending of that was just just bad writing. Yeah, I just I wasn't really invested in the villain of the film. No, absolutely not. Ruined it. Um but yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's part of the Courtnet trilogy. So, you know, give it a watch if required. But um It's worth one watch. Yeah, I would definitely for me go Hot Fuzz, Sean, and then World's End is right at the bottom. I'd agree, yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic, wonderful film. So, why did you pick this film for home then? So, this is obviously about Gary and all the rest meeting up at home to relive the glory days. However, it shows that you can't necessarily hold on to those memories. Doesn't mean that it's going to be the same. And in this film in particular, it really shows that one man has this idea, this concept in his head that going home is going to resolve everything, where in actual fact, the world's moved on, his friends have moved on, you know, the world has changed essentially in more reasons than one in this film in particular, and you can't necessarily hold on to the glory days. Home always has that idea that you can just go back to those memories, and yeah, you can relive them in your head, but actually to relive them in real life is quite a difficult concept, and this film definitely shows that. Mm, very nice. Very deep. Very succinct. Mm, indeed. <clears throat> but yeah, The World's End, if you haven't seen it, Give it a watch, um, but don't feel like you have to either. Let's move on to Dan's last. Okay, so my first clue for this film is that this was the first sequel that either Tom Hanks or Tim Allen had worked on. Okay. You might be able to get it just from that clue alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speaking of it being a sequel, this film was originally supposed to be a direct-to-video sequel, Once the publisher of this film saw the draft, they decided it was good enough that they wanted to get a theatrical release. The original company that worked on the first film, then took over, decided it wasn't good enough for a theatrical release, but only had nine months to rework the whole film. Wow. Which they succeeded in doing. But it took some of them 36 to 48 hour shifts, and many of the animators of this film were known to be in tears while working. (laughs) Crunch is a big problem in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, And finally, when working on the film, someone accidentally added a code which, when entered, deleted everything on the network as quickly as possible. Because of this, the creators of the movie lost 90% of the film. They were only able to recover it because one member of staff had recently had a child and had taken a copy of the film home to work from home while they looked after their child. They went and collected this disc wrapped it in blankets and brought it back to the office and we were able to recover almost everything. Wow. That person was fired. You'd assume so, yeah. Probably yeah. out of a cannon straight into the sun. <laughs> um, interestingly, this is my favourite of the entire... Whatever this is, yes. Yeah. 
this is my favourite. I think it's a lovely story. Mm. We'll go on to this bit and then we will be back. Time's up. Did you guess it? You may have guessed it. I guessed it. Dan guessed it. I guessed it. It's, of course, Toy Story 2. Brilliant film. Yep. Lovely film. Your favourite of the three. Yep. Of of the four, I guess. Yep. Introduces you to Jesse Bullseye. Uh, Fraser Crane is old Stinky Pete. I love Fraser's voice. Glorious. Yeah, um, another an, another sort of interesting one for my choice of home, but I'll, I'll run you through why when I sort of briefly give the plot. Uh, in this film, obviously, we've already been established to the whole uh, crew, the Toy Story crew, Woody and Buzz now best of friends as they always would be. Except in this film, Woody gets taken by a toy collector through a mishap in a uh, in a yard sale, and gets taken to his collection where he meets all of his other toys from the TV show he was in, which is. Woody's Roundup. Woody's Roundup. And Woody faces this internal dilemma where he's like, maybe this is where I'm meant to be, surrounded by my peers. And he decides that he's going to go with the rest of them to a toy museum in Japan rather than being thrown in the bin eventually, which is what Andy will likely do to him, the fate of toys, unfortunately. All his friends are distraught about this. They go and try and rescue him. He turns them down and says, no, I need to go with them to Japan until he finally realises that actually that's not his home. His home isn't where he's supposed to be in inverted commas, it's where he chooses to be and where he's the most happy, and where he decides to go back to see his friends. And the really interesting thing about this film, and I've talked about Toy Story before on this show, is that the character development is just so fantastic. Woody is facing such a huge personal dilemma that, even though he's a toy, like so many of us face, it's where are we supposed to be? What's our direction supposed to be in life? Is it what we were brought up to do, what we were told we were supposed to do? Which is what Woody faces with the rest of the, the, the gang from his show. He was obviously built to be with the rest of these toys. Or is it where he feels most comfortable and where he wants to be, which is back with Andy, back with Buzz, back with Bo, um, his, his strange porcelain love interest. Um, <laughs> and it's that real dilemma that so many of us face, which is that what is our direction supposed to be in life? And what Woody realises and what the, I think the film teaches us is that it's follow your heart follow where you think you feel and feel you be most happy not where people are telling you or where you think you're supposed to be it's doing what you want and Woody chooses to go home in this case for porcelain uh, to porcelain yeah <laughs> he's gonna smash it um <laughs> uh, and um oh no and what what that what that sort of why this fits into the theme for me is that home home is a choice mm-hmm. home isn't where you're born Home isn't, you know, where you live, and it's it's where you feel most comfortable and where you feel most happy. Just as Harry did in the first Harry Potter film, when he goes home, which is to be where his heart should be, and that is with his friends and with Andy. You know, if this was a film right now, that'd be the exact moment when you have the epiphany and you're just like, I have to go, and you take off the headphones and you storm out, and you know where you're going, and that was that moment. Just so it was lovely. Really enjoyed that. 
yeah, I'm um, I don't I'm, I'm not going to have a big epiphany, but also my home is wherever you are, Marty. So. Oh, you can come live in my attic. That'd be nice. So why is this your favorite Toy Story film then? Um, I just feel like the first one, the whole idea of Buzz and Woody, well, Woody hating Buzz. Although I know it's the main point, it just this one feels more like a family-oriented story of everyone. You know, it's a bunch of friends and getting them back together. Whereas the first one, it's very much about a vendetta against someone who, through no fault of his own, has taken a place of the favourite. Which you know, you understand Woody's anger to an extent, but the extreme lengths in which he goes, I just feel like, yeah. I mean, he also redeems himself by risking his life at every opportunity to save Buzz. He does, but also, that's only because he is concerned, for the most part of the film, that the other toys are not going to be happy with him because, oh no, he killed Buzz. So are you upset with a film's main character having an arc which makes them go from not a great person to a good person? Redemption at the end, though, and bearing lies the difference between The World's End and Toy Story. No redemption at the Otherwise, end. Otherwise, they're very similar films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's robots in it, so yeah, that works. Aliens, definitely. Um, but two is wonderful. Also, it brings in Jesse and Bullseye as well, which are lovely characters. Mm. Jesse's story in particular is really heartfelt, really moving when it goes into her background of what happened with her. And obviously, she was in love with her owner, and her owner left her on a side and drove away. There was um, online fan theories of that was Andy's mum at some point. I remember seeing that. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that as well. People love a theory when it comes mm. to Disney films, how all the universes are connected. I don't think it's necessarily important. No, no, not at all. Interestingly, uh, the whole section about her past and the, the song um, played at that. When Tim Allen and Tom Hanks first saw it, they uh, then they're reported as being just in floods of tears after seeing that section. Really? Yeah, because they were so invested in the characters. So. Oh, that's lovely. I mean, I suppose Tim Allen has to be invested in it because what else is he doing? Buzz all. That's not a phrase. <laughs> I have nothing. Yeah. Um, whereas Tom, Tom's doing everything. He's still doing everything. Tom's doing amazing for himself. I love Tom. Yeah, who doesn't? He's such a lovely guy. <laughs> that is the end of this week's Sound and Vision. Very right. short episode. Um, it will be happening maybe a little bit more like this in the future, considering that we have no more music. What's going to happen? I mean, we could uh, we could do some beatboxing. Nope, don't feel like I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's the end of that. Uh, next week, work unfortunately gets in the way. I am in Londinian. That's a that's a throwback to spaced London. Londinian. You haven't seen spaced, have you? No, no, of course you haven't. So next week, unfortunately, I'm in Londinian, so I'm unable to attend. However, the week after, I will be back with another theme. Uh, Dan will probably be here as well. That'd be nice. In fact, no, Dan will be here. It'd be lovely. Yeah, if you're lucky. Yeah. If, if the listeners are lucky, then I might show my face around these parts again. <laughs> but until then, I hope you enjoyed yourself. Have a week and another week. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dan. <laughs>